Welcome to the sustainability uh, management podcast. We are experimenting with the video format and uh, today we will just talk about our program and our experience because we have uh, the second year student and the graduated person. Yes. The experimental rats. Exactly. <laughs> Can you maybe introduce yourself? My name is Juliana and I'm from Colorado. I'm from Boulder, Colorado. There's a place called Boulder, Colorado. And yes, there are a lot of rocks in, in Boulder. There are a lot of boulders and people like to climb in Boulder and I like to climb a little bit. I don't want to, I mean, everybody has an interesting background, but I just have kind of a strange, I'm on, I'm on my third career path now. Um, my first career path, well, okay, this is my fourth career path. My, my first career path, I was um, a car washer. That was my first job. That was a great summer gig. I was just out all the time, and I would just go up to people and ask, do you want a car wash? Not very sustainable. So that's not where my sustainability journey started. <laughs> um, my first real career, though, um, I graduated from the University of Colorado in economics, and I wanted to try something businessy. So I went and I worked in the tech industry, and that was wild. I was a project manager for a small company that got bought by a bigger company that got bought by a bigger company. and by the end of six years, I was kind of done with it. So I went and traveled for a while, and then I became an outdoor guide. And um, that was really fun. So I did that for about two years. And while I was doing that, I was kind of figuring out what's next. And I visited friends in Norway. I really liked Norway. I thought it was really great. And it kind of meshed my love of the outdoors. And I was looking for a sustainability program. And I applied to all of them in Norway, every single one. And I liked this one the best because it seemed most general and kind of most, you know, I could go many different paths with it and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't know, actually, it was the first year. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just jumped in. And um, yeah, before, before I came here, I was living in a, a camper van that I built out, a pretty like nice camper van that I eventually sold. It was, yeah, it was really fun. It was one of the best times of my life. So I left that. I literally just left my camper van with my friend and packed up all my stuff. Um, it was during COVID. I had about two weeks to move. So everything was a disaster. And I just showed up to the airport with like six bags. You know, I brought my skis and stuff and <laughs> came to Norway. And then I spent 10 days in a COVID hotel and then started this program. It was wild, wild times. And I was just like, ah, oh, this is like kind of like going to jail, but like fancy, nice jail. So you get in As your every jails in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you get in your room and they give you three meals a day, unlimited coffee. Maybe actually we're in the jail. You just didn't notice that, yeah, you know. But I kind of I enjoyed it. Oh the jail. Yeah, it was nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I stayed at Escondic for ten days, took the train, and then started my master's journey after that. <laughs> it's crazy that in Norway, I've just watched a documentary on Netflix. Yeah. The jails, like the officers, they can talk with the prisoners and like play yeah. cards and yeah. they just shake hands. Yeah. They treat people as humans. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a theme in Norway, treating people like, you, you know, listening to other people's opinions. And maybe if I talk a little bit about why I'm interested in Norway, I think that was that's something that I feel like uh, in the U.S. is hard to find more and more. Mm -hmm. Um, and the U.S., oh, it's a great place. I mean, I lived in my camper van. It's beautiful. There's so much amazing nature, but the politics are really intense there, um, and I was finding it hard to find a place that I really wanted to live. 
there's a huge housing crisis, so it's really hard for people to buy homes, not even buy homes. It's hard for people, if you get a job, to find a place to live. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so many people have been priced out of my town, and I was just kind of feeling like, you know, I, I don't know about this whole system. So here I am in Norway now trying out a new system, and it's, it's definitely some surprises, but more so living up to my expectations. Nice to have people who can listen to each other without reacting. It's really refreshing. <laughs> and I just react to, you, to what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? You're in your second year. You're about to write your thesis. Tell me about how you got here. I don't know. I, I didn't count like career path. Yeah. But I think I just got interested in sustainability in 2017. It was like third year of my bachelor degree. Okay. And before I was like, you know, like Robert Kiyosaki, you know, cash flow. Like I want to be an entrepreneur. Yes. You know, I want to make business and become a millionaire. Pretty American uh-huh. mindset, I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. Very influenced by this like first decades of uh, capitalism when we had yes. like. Yes. Yeah. Free market thinking. Uh, yeah. Money. Money. <laughs> money, money. <laughs> So, yeah, and I went to an exchange program mm. in uh, China. It was uh, oh. ISIC, and it was like SDG 5, water and clean sanitation in China. Okay. okay. And uh, it was also one of the first my, of my international experiences. I At that moment, my English was just present simple, past simple, and future simple. <laughs> so and like I, my Norwegian now. <laughs> <laughs> because they don't have any other tenses. Yeah, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, no, they have per- present perfect. <laughs> I was shocked by the environmental destruction in the world. Yeah. You know, that was, I think, the pivotal moment when I was like, wow, we are going to hell yeah. right now. Yeah. And also in China, I saw like how they exploit the nature, like people in the villages, they wash clothes uh, with some like powder. And yeah. I saw also huge pipes, which, just, which were emitting um, smoke, you know. Mm. And like so many people, uh, so that was the moment. It was like okay now, uh, and I kind of started to believe in sustainability as a solution. Yeah, you know, I changed my faith. Yeah, I would say. yeah, yeah. And um, and I'm from Russia, guys. You know, <laughs> where ninety five percent of people don't speak English. Wow, uh, that high. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. In Norway, it was also shock for me. Like ninety-five percent of people speak English. Speak English <laughs> better than me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I participated in different projects as a volunteer, and then it was my strategic goal probably to apply for a master degree. Mm. And uh, in two thousand twenty-one, I already felt that in Russia is going a little bit towards. Uh, dictatorship a little cuckoo Ooh, yes and i and i applied to the different programs and um, mm-hmm. then the war started so i think uh, both our politic economic systems in our countries did push us away a little bit for both of us yeah absolutely yeah i mean i'll be pretty open when trump was elected i was like this is a this is a scary sign and uh, that definitely was a motivator for I wonder if my longevity in this country, maybe it, it won't be so long. I actually worked also in the sustainability in Russia, in Moscow, for yeah. like one year and a half mm. in an environmental green NGO. Mm. 
but I felt that the uh, management structure there and leadership style is also authoritarian, even like on a, such a small uh, level. I think yeah. it, there is a book, Russian uh, Management Model, okay. which basically states like even like everywhere is like a vertical of power, you know? Yeah. And uh, I felt that there were like, although we were, had some kind of solution, uh, decision-making process uh, mm. in, in flat in our project. Yeah. But then it could be, everything could be canceled just like by one person and CEO. Yeah. And when I came in Norway, uh, I was like, wow, they have flat structure everywhere. <laughs> the manager can wash the dishes with you in the hotel. I mean, that's, it's interesting that you say that because I think in the U.S., you know, when I worked in the tech industry, mm. maybe I saw more of this flat, flat structure. But I think if the values aren't there, then it doesn't matter so much if the structure is flat. Because, you know, we had this structure in our, and I also was like, business, yeah, I'm going to be a business lady. You know, I had grown up like in this commune and my parents were into like meditation. They were Buddhist. I was raised Buddhist. We grew our own food and had chickens and we lived in a small community where we actually got to know our neighbors. So, pe you know, when people come up with these like stereotypical American um kind of uh, characteristics. I'm like, yeah, I actually don't know any of that. I wasn't allowed to watch TV. So I'm like a American anomaly. You know, I'm a weirdo. Like I'm a weirdo in my own country. I love being a weirdo. Wow. Yeah. But I found that, you know, I also wanted to do this like money capitalism. You know, I wanted to make something of myself. Oh. When you are in this bubble, you know, you just don't see any other option probably, right? You... Yeah. And it was kind of just like, I didn't know what else to do. And I didn't really have great, I think, like career counseling or and I, I just kind of saw everyone, you know, what what's kind of happening right now. And the tech industry was like buzzing. And then when I was in it, it was blowing up. But, you know, it's it's interesting that you're talking about this like leadership style because we had kind of some flat leadership. Like the CEO, he didn't have his own office. He was just out with everyone else, which actually was horrible. It was chaotic. You would hear him on the phone. He'd be like yelling at people. And sometimes you hear him like firing people just out in the open. And it was like, oh, this is a culture of like stress and chaos. Like I really don't like it. But I found that, you know, the tech industry, I think, is like peak capitalism. It's capitalism on steroids. Mm. It is like just get the most money valuation. You know, a lot of it's fake valuation. We're talking about companies that never actually own or produce anything other than thoughts, ideas. It's all in the cloud, mm -hmm. and they're worth billions of dollars. Crazy to me. So I, I found that even though we had kind of a flat structure, good leadership, if the values aren't there, you know, you don't value some stability and not, I mean, we, re we restructured the company like every six months, and it was just chaos. People would get fired. People would come back in. Uh, we would have an influx of money and the next week they would be like, oh, we lost this client and we're panicking and we're going to lay people off. You know, like if you don't have good values, then it kind of doesn't matter if you have a good leadership system. Mm -hmm. So I kind of saw this like I feel like it was kind of the dark side of business and really intense capitalism. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I got to get out of this. Yeah, it just it just made me think that like here in Norway, everyone is so chill, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, the grades, you know, no one yeah. really accept you to work hard and yeah. like work your ass off. But <laughs> at the same time, you are still efficient. 
Yeah. Because you kind of do what you like. Yeah. Yeah, I find in Norway, people are more pushed to do not to do something that makes them tons of money, although that does exist in Norway, of course. But I find it's more like, what do you kind of gravitate to? What are you interested in? You know, work with that. And more just, oh, I'm, I've been interested in this and I've worked with this for some time. And then people say, oh, that's good enough. You don't have to, like in the U.S., you have to say, I'm the best at this. Mm -hmm. I am the best at like making this one Excel spreadsheet and no one else in the world is better than me. And people love hearing that. They love hearing that you are better than other people or could be the best or the most insightful. But, you know, Norway, it typically values stability more than um, like rapid innovation and I think you can see that really clearly in both countries because in the U.S. there's a lot of like, you know, recessions, there's a lot of inequality. So things are booming and busting really fast. In Norway, they have a social system with healthcare and family, school, all this stuff. And they can't have that boom and bust because the kids would, you know, not have school or people wouldn't have healthcare. So the value systems are very different. Mm -hmm. Uh, when I came here and I like started playing volleyball, yeah. I thought like everyone is so chill, like yeah. they're not even trying to play <laughs> to win. No. And I saw like also American students, like you are so competitive and like yeah. beer pong. I don't know any ball game. <laughs> Just give you a beer ball <laughs> and you will try to dominate. <laughs> yeah, and I I kind of don't do well in this. Mm -hmm. I don't. I've never like gravitated towards sports. I'm really um whatchamacallit, I'm really uh, clumsy. So anytime there's like a ball coming towards me, like I, I just kind of run away. So, you know, I would get these coaches who would just yell at me like, be aggressive, uh, and it just kind of destroys you. You yeah. know, you just don't enjoy it. So I always felt like, a, I've always felt a little out, out of place the in the US. Natural selection, you know, like this kind of hierarchy. <laughs> yeah. But in Norway, they try to create this environment that where everyone can enjoy yeah. to play, yeah. no matter the skill, yeah. and kind of be included yeah. in the, the team. But it makes sense, you know, like, okay, if you're... If you're winning, what are you winning for? You know, if you're not being able to work well with other people or, you know, what's the point? Really, what's the point? So, yeah, it's interesting. And, and of course, I have to say all of these are some stereotypes of the U.S. Of course, there's lots of examples where that doesn't exist. But, you know, you can find it quite or you can see it more easily. Okay, what about the program, the yeah. master program? yeah. How did it change you as a character throughout these two years? Wow. It was, at the end, I was very tired. I was very tired after writing my thesis. Very, very tired. But um, mostly during... <laughs> Great promotion. <laughs> during... Apply to get tired. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's like, you want to be tired. You want to be, you want to have done something after yeah. this. If you're just like, oh yeah, I didn't do much. Mm -hmm. I just kind of sat around then... You didn't really get anything out of it. Yeah, actually, uh, like the first time also I came here, I was shocked that, oh, my God, no one is cheating, you know, like, <laughs> any, anywhere. People really study. Yeah. They sit in the, at the library and study because yeah. in Russia, in during my bachelor degree, I think, of course, there were people who studied, but like overall, there were like the whole group of people who just like, ah, yeah, let's buy uh, the assignments, you know, like they're, yeah, my friend actually, who, um, whose father is, uh, by the way, uh, a colonel in FSB, but that's another story. 
why I said that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just saying that name he, dropping. Yeah, I just yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that he had a business okay. during his bachelor yeah. where, where it's like online help okay. to write assignments to the students. Yeah. You don't have it here in Norway. I mean, actually, you have it. Yeah. I, I saw uh, on Instagram one guy offered to me, but I'm just so afraid to cheat because like where yeah. everyone is um, fair, yeah. you also want to be, you know. Yeah. Uh, a good to be a good person when you're in such environment. But I think it also it can really hurt you in the long run because if you're going to work after this degree, which I hope you do, and you know someone says I need an answer from you in an hour or something and you can't write that answer, then you've just trained yourself to not be able to do something. So if you kind of study and you're able to, you know, write a paper in a couple of days, do an exam and you're not cheating, that's going to set you up for longer term success where, you know, you can just do basic things quite easily. So if you push yourself, then actually it can help you in the future. And, you know, I think uh, studying is actually, I mean, it's kind of fun. You're just kind of given a lot of free reign to look at different things, write about different things, write about what interests you, and you can just use it as practice. You know, right now I'm writing like a research article that's going to be published and I keep on thinking, yeah, you know, I'm not, it's a different mindset because I'm not turning this in for a grade. Uh, you know, my teachers before have given me feedback. Oh, you should change this. You should change this. Now I'm sending it to editors and editors can be mean. They can be like, this is absolute garbage. Uh, if you're going to resubmit it, you know, good luck never publish an article again. So you can kind of think studying is like this test ground where you can kind of test out your ideas and you get good feedback. But in the real world, you know, you just kind of have to, you have to be a really thoughtful about what you're doing. So your studies can prepare you for that. And also, you know, you can be unprepared if you cheat. <laughs> I think I also enjoyed more master degree because uh, I did my bachelor, I finished my bachelor in 2018 and then uh, worked. Yeah. And if I just went straight from bachelor to master, uh, then it wouldn't be that fun. No. Because here you can really apply like all of the abstract theories to yeah. the real world. Mm. That would be... Well, some of the theories to the real some world. Of the theories. <laughs> some <laughs> you're to like, some extent. <laughs> oh, someone who wrote this, they are in outer space. Their, their existence is in a different planet than ours. And that's cool too, but I don't know how that <laughs> works. <laughs> Yeah. But no, it's, you know, in the program, it's lots of lots of different backgrounds. So lots of different opinions on, you know, ways things are done, what's normal, what's the way like sustainability is thought about. There's not one definition. So you learn a lot about what other people from other sides of the world think about that concept and what it means. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's really good to be in an international environment. You can really see how people think about different things you can open your mind of different ways of thinking you know you can get kind of checkmates sometimes it's really easy if you're in a room of people who think the exact same way you just kind of end up um reinforcing each other's views like oh this is what you think and i think and so i definitely was exposed to a lot of different views and like none of them i don't want to say any of them were like more or less advanced than others but you just see how different people think and that's really science, you know? It's not like what is. Yeah. It's how you think is actually how the world works. How you think you think. That's how you write like a thesis or a paper. 
really goes back to that topic of the flat structure because I had an internship in a Russian consultancy agency when we were producing like ESG rankings oh, yeah, for okay. like more than 200 uh, Russian listed uh, companies because yeah. sustainable development and sustainability as an agenda, it's still present, although it kind of decoupled from uh, the West and Europe after the special military operation. <laughs> <laughs> but and I worked with also like P PhD law because like the Soviet um, educational system is a little bit different from uh, Bologna system. Mm. Uh, so like with some PhDs and they are so also authoritarian. Yeah. Like here is the way we sh must conduct the research. Yeah. There must be a research question and hypothesis. But like here um, in sustainability management, uh, one of the uh, theories we learned was a grounded theory mm. when you don't have to have a hypothesis. No. And um, in, in overall, um, everyone is kind of so tolerant to the other people's truth. Yeah. Like yeah. at the beginning, also with some of my political views, you know, I was pretty rigid, I would say. Yeah. And then I met people of other perspectives. And, and then we had the qualitative uh, course. And I became more, mm, I don't know. Now it's like oh, I'm, I'm talking with a person. And with their truth and with their universe, yeah. and I can um, incorporate and encompass other perspectives in my mind without like clashing yeah. between them, yeah. without the conflict. Mm. Yeah, I definitely. I think when I started the program, I was just like, I'm just ready to take, you know, I just want to take this program. I want to be done with it so I can like start a job and like make the world more sustainable. And I think as the program prog progressed, I just realized my vision of sustainability was like, there was a lot more to it than I realized. I was just really focused on like, oh, if we can just make this company and that company, and then we can kind of phase out oil and gas, then everything will be fine. And, you know, unfortunately, like the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know or all of the different issues that come up. And I was really exposed to a lot more different viewpoints, ways of thinking, and not so just like, oh, it, you know, the only way to transform sustainability in and, you know, incorporate it into our lives is just by making businesses more sustainable. And the more I think about that and look at that in the real world, I think there's a lot of companies who are doing sustainability really right. And there are a lot of companies who are just checking a box. They're just saying, how can I hire someone to make their support for me and make me look like I'm sustainable and meet the minimum requirements for the EU and Norway. And so, you know, it actually also kind of influenced my career path because maybe before I would have just gone from being a project manager to a project manager in a sustainability company. But I don't think that for me, I would be that happy doing what I would kind of consider greenwashing, where it's like you're a person, you don't actually get to change that much. You're just kind of there to be like, well, you know, we're hitting this metric, but not that metric, and you're not really changing, but we have this, like, beautiful report. You know, it has all these nice uh, photos of all these smiling people. Like, we must be doing great in our sustainability. And I've realized a lot that, like, impact, actually having impact is really what I'm going for. And I think before, I just wouldn't have been able to discern that. I would have just been like, well, this looks good and it has sustainability. I'll mm. just go for it. Yeah. But, you know, now I'm a lot more clear. Like, I I don't think I would ever work for an oil and gas company. I don't believe that they are investing in our future like they say they are. And I can look at a job advertisement and kind of be like, I know that I wouldn't do well in this company because I know they're just looking for someone to fill a report. 
And then I can, you know, look at a company and be like, okay, there's a report here, but there's actually some substance behind what this company is doing. And like, I can get behind that. So it's made me a lot more critical too of where I'm going to be successful in the world because it aligns with my vision and my, you know, what I've learned. And some things are surprising, you know, maybe some times you would see a company you think is like, oh, I, I would have loved to work for Patagonia two years ago because I was like, they are just nailing it in sustainability. And now I'm pretty skeptical. And now maybe other companies where I would have been like, oh, I don't know. I don't really understand why social sustainability matters. I would have, I might be a lot more interested in what they're doing um, now. So yeah, it's just given me a big wider perspective and also been, now I'm more critical. I'm, I'm a little bit more critical of what people are doing and, and why. <laughs> I just also realized that the, in our program, you know, you, it's sustainability uh, concept is so huge yeah, that you can just is. take any interest that you have yeah, you can. And, uh, and make it sustainable or just tie it to sustainability. Yeah, you can. And we have uh, so much freedom in comparison to, for example, masters in ecology. Yeah. They are given the topic, they are given the research design. Yeah. And we, after the methodology and research design or like quantitative and qualitative courses, you can design your own research according to your interests and they will be so different from your classmates. Yeah. And that's beautiful. <laughs> and uh, Pros and cons though. Pro is freedom of choice. You know, you can do so many different things. The con is overwhelm of choice. So you can feel overwhelmed by doing so many things. So that's why it's nice, I think, in this program, if you're coming from a different background or you know you're interested in something. I mean, I always say this, people are like, well, how should I get started? I'm just like, kind of start following the threads that you're already interested in. And just, it doesn't have to be one thing. It could be a couple different things, but read books, look at articles online, you know, get an idea for what you're interested in. Because if you kind of start going down a path of, oh, I could do anything, then that honestly becomes really overwhelming. And I, it's like everyone has interests. Start with your interests. Start with what you want to read about, not what someone is telling you you should read about. You know, if you're not interested in economics or you're not interested in the sustainability of outdoor companies, like don't go that path, you know, go for stand-up comedy, wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, exactly that like was the point at which I wanted to make. Like the first year I had like this huge conflict between like what I want to research and I, what I like, what's my passion and uh, what the world needs. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to research uh, scope three and uh, the reports uh, or anything that the corporation, big corporation needs. Yeah. But then I started researching like the comedy and the stand-up yeah. uh, and uh, there is a lot connected to, again, for example, economy of attention. But what about your uh, story uh, of uh, master thesis topic choice? Yeah, I guess it kind of maybe is a little bit similar or not similar, but you know, I was trying to think like, when did I get interested in sustainability? Because for a long time, I knew it was a thing, but I was so uh, just, young in my life and in my world you know I was in this tech industry where I was just like trying to get a job learn how to be an adult and <laughs> was I you know thinking about sustainability yeah of course I was we had composting in San Francisco and I thought that was great and I looked a little bit into that and I was like whoa this is really great you know, I'd get frustrated when my roommate wouldn't want to compost. But then I got a new roommate and she was really into composting. And I was like, this is amazing. That's kind of as far as my sustainability was going that day. So, you know, my knowledge of it was very limited. 
Um, I think, yeah, the, the thing that really like piqued my interest was when I started to travel. So I had more time. And that's a little bit ironic because I was flying all over the place, like not that great for the environment. <laughs> and I didn't even think about that then. That's also kind of another cultural difference maybe between the U.S. and, and Norway. Um, I can talk about that separately. But seeing glaciers was like, you know, it, it's for many people a visual representation of change. You can see when you see a glacier if it's on land uh, how much that glacier has changed just because people talk about it. If there are different, you know, photographs or something, you can see, oh, this has changed a lot. Um, just going to different sites that had glaciers, people were talking about how they were changing a lot. And, you know, there are just these like amazing, beautiful things. Some of the most cool things I've seen on my travels. I went to a lot of places with glaciers, mm -hmm. South America, um, New Zealand and Nepal. They have a lot of glaciers. We don't have so many glaciers in the U.S. anymore. They're like almost all dried up. <laughs> we had one actually in Colorado, but now they're like, it is now called a perennial snowpack. It is too small to be called a glacier. Mm -hmm. So bye-bye to the St. Mary's Glacier. It's no more. Um, but I think that's when, you know, like when I was choosing a topic for my thesis, I was just like thinking about, well, what am I interested in? And I thought, how can I talk about glaciers and write something that I'm interested in that kind of incorporates my interest in the mountains, interest in nature. You know, I, I always have this like baseline feeling that like we don't value nature enough. We just don't. How can I kind of transform that into a research topic? And there's a lot of work being done on glaciers. Um, they're melting. They're going to melt. They found that under, you know, even if we stopped our emissions now, they would continue melting. There's kind of no going back. And there's a lot of different aspects to them. And so I just kind of chose this topic. And I had maybe some people who were like, yeah, you know, that's a cool topic. But what are you really going to do with that? Maybe just do something more practical. Do your master's faster. Just kind of get it done. See what's next. And I was like, no, I want to do this. This sounds really cool. And it led me down a good path because I got partnered with the research institute. They let me write a master's for them. And I work for them now. And it's like more work kind of about humans connection with nature, what that means. Um, also some work with tourism and, you know, I, I, as a guide, that's tourism. So it's kind of led me down a path of like interest and things that are relevant that I know about. So it all just, now I'm like, oh my gosh, my whole life makes sense now. I didn't realize that until just right this moment. <laughs> Everything is connected. Everything is connected. <laughs> no, I mean, some things are random, of course. But it is, that's how I kind of got onto my topic. It was just like, I want to actually do something I'm interested in. I want to do something that I can write about. I want to do something I want to learn more about. And that has like a personal thread for me, has a personal connection. Um, yeah. And again, that's my advice to other people. 